Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Well, there's uh, no doubt about it. It is an epic day today. I cannot deny the reality of my feelings. I am a man who loves the Green Bay Packers. But I want you to know I am locked in and focused on this moment right here and right now. I know for some of you, me being up here is a stumbling block. So I'm really worried about all of you. So I want us just to enter into a time of quiet right now, just for a minute. Uh, to recenter ourselves, to ask God to speak to each one of us that we would love Jesus Christ more than anything else. So just take a moment of silence. God, you are good and gracious. You've given us wonderful things in this world to enjoy and to take pleasure in. But we just want to come before you right now and ask God that first things be first things. God, that you would take center stage as we open up your word, that we would be reminded of the call that you placed on each of our lives, the call to know you personally. And the call to be a part of your mission. So God, we need your help. We pray, God, that you would lay aside any distractions. That you would have full sway over our hearts and minds. Right now. Right here. And we pray this, God, for your glory. And for your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this past Sunday, we had our intern training meeting. And the topic was on calling. How does God call someone into vocational ministry? What does that look like? And it brought me back to a moment I had about 10 years ago when I was really wrestling with God's call on my own life. I was a year out of college, and I was working in the corporate world. And I was feeling this growing love for the church and to give my life to build God's church. And so I was really praying to God, God, how can I get into full-time ministry? I was looking for the easiest way possible, honestly. But part of the process was I went on a mission trip to Africa. I spent two and a half weeks in Maputo, Mozambique, and we served alongside a missionary family. And it was an amazing trip. We saw God work in very unique ways. Seeing people who had never heard the gospel respond and give their lives to Christ. But I came back from that trip not getting the answers to my question regarding my future. And I was more than a little disappointed. I was honestly a little frustrated with God. And in the season of waiting... 
God taught me an important lesson that I have never forgotten. It went something like this. Jared, don't get so caught up in the future. I will take care of the future. Live for me today. Love me today. It's a lesson that has stuck with me through seasons of waiting. Today, give yourself fully to God. Now, for many of us, when we think of calling, it usually means a special assignment for our life that's specific to us as an individual. And there's no doubt about it. God gives special assignments to people. He's doing that every day. But I think too often, many of us are waiting for that special assignment. And we miss out on the universal call that God has placed on every follower of Christ. This morning, as we look at Jesus' call to his first disciples, we're going to see in this text two elements of calling that are foundational for every Christ follower. And this calling matters right here and right now. It's not something we need to wait around for. So Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. And I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. I want to spend a bit of time first unpacking the context for us. So hang with me for a few minutes. Earlier in Matthew 4, Jesus moves from Nazareth to the town of Capernaum. And this town of Capernaum becomes his new home and the base for his unfolding ministry. So kind of, so Capernaum, so kind of like the, the Silicon Valley is the hotspot for tech companies today. Capernaum was the hotspot for spiritually devoted Jewish people. There are lots of synagogues, rabbis and teachers of the scriptures, and disciples learning under rabbis. This was a place filled with passionate people who were devoted to God and committed to the scriptures. Now, a rabbi was a person who was well-respected in the community. The actual word rabbi refers to a master or a teacher. And during Jesus' time, not all rabbis were focused on religious matters. But the ones who were, there's a, there's a couple things to keep in mind. First of all, they were masters of the Tanakh, the Old Testament scripture. In fact, a rabbi would know the whole Old Testament by memory. I'm not just talking about the names of the books of the Old Testament, 
every single word and verse they would know by memory. How many of you struggle with scripture memory like me? And this puts us to shame. Check this out. The Old Testament, 39 books, 929 chapters, 23,214 verses, and 593,000 plus words. I'm kind of a nerd, so I did a little calculation. And if you memorized one verse a day, it would take you 63 years to memorize the whole Old Testament. They were masters of the scriptures. And second, rabbis were known as master teachers, and they would have disciples who were learning under them. Now, the the rabbi-disciple relationship was far different than the student-teacher relationship in our country. In the States, a student goes to school for seven or eight hours a day. And there's a transfer of knowledge that takes place between the teacher and the student. And the student is measured through grades and exams, quizzes on the retention of that knowledge. For a rabbi-disciple, the relationship and scope of learning was so much deeper. Disciples would be with the rabbi 24 hours a day, seven days a week for long periods of time. And the goal of a disciple was not just to learn from the rabbi, but to become like the rabbi in every way of life. The disciple would watch every move that the rabbi made. They would hang on every word that was spoken from the rabbi's mouth. The essence of being a disciple was complete allegiance to the rabbi. First and foremost to the person and the relationship, and then to the rabbi's teaching. It was an intense, personal, and very intimate relationship. So it's important to understand that Jesus did not invent the concept of having disciples. This is not a new idea. There was a well-established system that Jesus was entering into. So it's into this context that in Matthew 4, Jesus begins to call disciples to himself. Now I want us to focus in the rest of the message on Jesus' words to Peter and Andrew. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So the first point focuses on the phrase, come, follow me. As disciples, we are called to a passionate pursuit of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Peter and Andrew are going about their business one day, and Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee and spots these two men as they are working. And most likely, this isn't the first time these guys have encountered Jesus. In John 1, Andrew is connected with John the Baptist. So they have probably heard the rumors of who Jesus is, or even heard him teach. And Jesus interrupts their work with these words of incredible invitation that will change their lives forever. Come, follow me. Come, be my disciple. 
These three simple words, come, follow me, are so full of meaning and significance. First, Jesus is initiating the relationship. It was typical back then that a potential disciple would approach a rabbi and ask for permission to study under them. But here, Jesus is the one doing the calling and the initiating. Jesus always makes the first move in relationship with us. And second, I've already alluded to this, the call of Jesus to Peter and Andrew is to a personal, life-together relationship. He's saying to them, I want you guys to be with me. I want you to hang out with me. I want you to know me up close and personal. And I want you to become like me. And as we know, Jesus is no ordinary rabbi. He is the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God. These men were being invited to an intimate relationship with God himself. And this is still the call to us today. Jesus is still calling us, come, follow me. Come, be in relationship with me. For me personally, I grew up in a a strong Christian home. I went to a good church, and I heard the gospel at a young age, and I responded. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. But if I could sum up the first 18 years of my life, my Christian journey, in one word, it would be duty. I felt an obligation to God to be a good person, to follow the rules. My freshman year of college, God opened my eyes to the fact that he wants a personal relationship with me. And I began to follow Jesus for the first time. And it changed everything in my life. I think one of the great struggles that we have made in our modern day Christianity is how easily we lose focus on the relationship. We have made Christianity a program, an institution, a set of duties and rules and obligations, and we have lost sight of the relationship with Jesus, a relationship that's available to us every single day. A.W. Tozer wrote about this earlier in the 20th century. He says, We have almost forgotten that God is a person. The triune God, three persons. He's a personal being that wants to be known and loved and connected with. And he also says, to most people, God is an inference, not a reality. They do not know God in personal experience. They go through life trying to love an ideal and be loyal to a mere principle. As disciples, we are not called to an ideology or a set of principles. We're called first and foremost to a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And our God who we love and serve is no doubt holy and other and sovereign, and yet he invites us to know him and to connect with him personally. And we see this throughout the story of scriptures. 
It says the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. And David was known as a man after God's own heart. And these words from the Apostle Paul that have gripped my heart many times. He says, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Paul's not talking about a head knowledge. He's talking about a personal knowing of Jesus Christ. Come, follow me. There's a simplicity here that's so beautiful and inviting. Following Jesus centers around a relationship with him. And this is not something we need to wait around for. It's available to us right here and right now. And let's be honest, most of us, we already know this. This is not new news to us. And why is it such a struggle? Why do we so easily lose sight of our relationship with Jesus? I think just a few questions to reflect on and to kind of wrestle with God in prayer with. First one is, do I really believe that God wants a personal relationship with me? You might know it up here, but do you really believe it down here? God wants a personal relationship with you. And second, if we believe it, why are we settling for less than a life of passionate pursuit of Jesus? Come, follow me. It's all about relationship with Christ. And when we're growing in a vital relationship with him, we begin to care about what he cares about. We begin to want to join him on his mission So the second point, as disciples, we are called to a bigger mission, Jesus' mission. In Galilee during Jesus' day, the fishing industry was flourishing. Lots of fishermen worked those waters. And for those of you who love fishing, I don't don't care for fishing. It's kind of boring to me, I'll be honest. But I'm assuming if you love it, you love it because it's relaxing It's great to get out into nature and be on the water. For these men in Jesus' day, this was no hobby or kicking back and chilling. The job of a fisherman was demanding. They worked into the summer nights and in the cold of winter. It was a grueling job. The majority of their time was probably spent mending and cleaning the nets every single day so they would not wear out or rot. These were strong, tough men who worked a very demanding job. And Jesus' call to them is, Come to me, and I will make you fishers of men. Don't get too caught up in the fishing analogy here. The main point here is that Jesus takes a person where they are at, and calls them to a larger mission centered on his mission. These men were being called into something so big. I was trying to think of a way to illustrate the magnitude of this call. 
So imagine with me for a minute. Earlier this week, you score tickets to the big game today. You head out to Soldier Field, and you're all bundled up. And you find your seats, and you're, you have great seats. You're, you're a few rows up from the Bears' sideline. And you're watching the pregame warm-ups, and you see Lovey Smith kind of walking the sideline. And he's kind of looking into the crowd, soaking in the moment. And then he looks your way. And you're like, okay, that's weird. I just made eye contact with Lovey Smith. But then he motions for you to come over to him. And you're, very, you're getting excited, but also really nervous at this point. And you walk over to Lovey, and he looks you in the eye. He says, it's a big game today. I want you to head into the locker room and suit up because you're playing for the Chicago Bears in the NFC Championship game. And you jump out of the stands and you're running with fist pump and you head into the locker room. It's a pretty silly illustration. And I feel kind of weird even sharing it. But the reality is what Jesus did on this day to these fishermen wasn't much different. These were very ordinary men who were untrained, unqualified. And Jesus says to them, I want you to suit up. I want you to play on my team. I want you to be a part of the greatest mission that's taking place in this world, which I am leading. These men were invited into a mission that was way over their heads. So what is the mission? I think one of the best explanations that Jesus gives is in Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Jesus came to seek after people who were far from God, who were disconnected from him, and invite them back into relationship because it's all about relationship And he would complete this mission through his death and resurrection, opening up the way for all people to be reconciled to God through him. Jesus steps into the lives of Peter and Andrew and says, you have been going after fish, but now I have a bigger mission for you to go after people. Jesus' mission centers around people. As Bill Hybels has said time and time again, it's all about people. People who are sought after and treasured by the Most High God. Jesus is saying, instead of gathering fish, I want you to help people find and follow me. That is the big mission Jesus called Peter and Andrew to. And that is the big mission Jesus is calling us to right here. And right now, our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. Help people find and follow Jesus. God has placed you where you are at to give your life to help people find and follow him. For those of you who work in business, sales, or retail, it's not all about the bottom line, closing the deal or making the sale. God has placed you around customers and colleagues for a reason. 
to help them find and follow Jesus. For those of you who are teachers, it's not all about teaching science, math, or English. Your mission is to help students find a relationship with Jesus Christ. To those of you who stay at home with your children, it's not all about your child's health and safety. Your bigger mission is to help them find and follow Christ. In your neighborhood, where you work out, where you shop, where you get your hair cut, God has placed you around people, and he's inviting you to the mission of helping people find and follow Jesus. Here's the tension I'm feeling right now. Whenever we talk about evangelism, we either go to a place of guilt or place of fear. Kind of like when I go to the dentist's office every six months. There's waves of guilt that rush over me. I know I need to floss more. And guilt can paralyze and demotivate us. There's no doubt that we need more courage in reaching people far from God. We need more boldness. But I think a big problem is that our view of evangelism is too centered on ourselves. We get so bogged down in our own inadequacy, our own failure, our own fear, our own guilt. It's become all about you and I. Let's look at Jesus' words to Peter and Andrew again. Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. I will make Jesus is saying, I'm in charge here. I'm the one doing the calling, and I'm the one doing the changing to make you the man or woman who can be a part of my mission. Jesus Christ will teach us how to help people find and follow him. He's inviting us to this big mission, and we cannot do it without him. So again, it goes back to the fact that we need to be connected to him in a growing, vital relationship with Jesus Christ. I think practically speaking, one of the best ways to learn from Jesus how to live in his mission is to consistently read through the gospel accounts. The books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and to learn from Jesus through the word of God, how to live in his mission, to how to follow in his footsteps. So will you allow Jesus to make you one who fishes for people? Will you come to Christ and let him shape you into the person who will help others find and follow him? So one final comment from the text as we wrap up. Jesus' call demands a response. Not tomorrow, not next week, not after the game. Right here, right now. It says of Peter and Andrew, at once they left their nets and followed him. For James and John, Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. There is an urgency to the call of Christ 
on our lives. Why would we wait? Why would we hesitate? As Jesus says, come after me. What would it look like right now to come after Jesus? To experience once again that it's all about a relationship with him. It might start with asking the question, God, do I really believe you want a relationship with me? Do I really believe it down here? One of the things I feel God has been calling me to in my relationship with him is just to stop and listen. To carve out a few minutes every day. Just quiet myself and try to hear his voice. It's a habit I'm trying to build into my life that will help me develop a personal relationship with Christ. Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. He will make us. There's a grander mission for our lives. It goes beyond what we do for a living to call to help people find and follow Jesus. And this, just isn't, this isn't just for pastors, elders, deacons, interns. This is for every single one of us who is a follower of Christ. You are invited to this mission to step out of the stands and get on the field. And remember, it is all about people. Jesus is still seeking and saving the lost. And he's inviting us to be participants in the greatest mission that's taking place on planet Earth. So right now, I just want you to stop. This might be the most important moment for you today. To stop and take a few minutes and focus right now on Jesus. To come to Christ right now, right here. And ask him about your relationship. Ask him how it's going. Ask him to speak into your life. And to talk to him about the mission. Are you in the game or not? So I just want to invite you for a few minutes, come to Christ. And then I'll close us in prayer. Jesus. Jesus, there is no other name that is more beautiful. It is a name that at one day, every knee will bow and declare and speak. So right now, we declare, Jesus, we want you to be first. We want it to be all about you. And God, forgive us as we stray. We are prone to wander. And so we just ask right now that you would recapture our hearts. That we would want you more than anything else. We thank you, God, that you have invited us into this relationship. May we believe that it is true. And even right now, God, may you call us 
to yourself that we may know you personally, hear your voice, and walk with you. And thank you, God, that we don't need to wait around for a special assignment to know that our lives matter on this earth. There is a great mission that you have called us to already. May you make us, may you transform us, may you change us. May we be bold and courageous and strong in this world, unashamed to declare our love for Christ. So God, help us to help others find and follow you. May we give ourselves to your mission. So God, we ask that right now you would stir in us a renewed passion, a new heart for you. We pray this, God, for your glory in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.